This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome into the locker room, everybody. It's Wolf Starks and the Ninjas. Here we are on a cold Tuesday. And I got to admit, uh, Max, I'm looking at you. You're sitting there in a tank top, dude. That's kind of. That's just like that's just mean. You're just rubbing that ah, in. Ah, yes. <laughs> a little cra- a crab yes. shot there. Yes. A little little p- traps popping you gotta out. Gotta let the pipes breathe. <laughs> the pythons. You don't, sli- you don't put you don't put a sleeve on a car exhaust, right? You don't do that. <laughs> Bad boy's gotta breathe. That's what it is. <laughs> oh Woo! my goodness, we got Nature Rick Flair, <laughs> aka Max Starks. In the locker room down in Phoenix, I am here high atop Green Tree Hill in the studio. My friend, so what? what's going on with you? What? What's happening? Huh? Anything lately? Well, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, travel day yesterday. Yeah? Uh, Did you have any planes, of... trains, and automobiles type moments? Uh, you know, I, I was I was a little worried, but the but plane got off on time, which was oh, nice. Oh, good. But That's the problem nice. is there was only like one flight leaving Cincinnati <laughs> to get me home directly. <laughs> Uh, did you see your uh, sister? So, yes, I did. I saw my sister-in-law. Oh, uh, good. I w- went and had lunch together and hung out and uh, had a great conversation. So, no, it was it was awesome, and I uh, got to got to see my uncle and everybody after the uh, after the game. My cousins after the game. Very so, good. Yeah, it was a good little family family trip. Got a little two for one there, um, in in the Cincinnati. So Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's been a little harsh. Well, you can tell that, that you know things are cranking up here at home. If you can imagine, I mean, I, I think you can imagine. You know, you got everything oh, from yeah. Ryan Clark weighing in with some commentary, Rocky Blyer weighed in with some commentary. Everybody's got an opinion, you know, yeah. and that's that's what Steelers Nation is. You got to have an opinion, you know. Well, well you got to have an opinion, but also, I mean, listen. When you when when we put out that type of performance, you have to expect that the the the, the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to come out um, because we have you know the, and I think that's the other thing that's the mark of a, of a great team is that we have precedents to go off of. We right. have a legacy that we've laid that we can draw on. Is we're not the New York Jets, we're not the Jacksonville Jaguars, we're not the Houston Texans. No, we're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, yeah, there there are six Super Bowl trophies sitting up in there and a lot of AFC championship appearances and victories that are also sitting up there. And so there's a lot of long pride associated with the Steelers name and the Steelers helmet. So when you step out there, you're also stepping out there with legends. There's no question about it. And so there is a standard that's to be upheld. So when you have something like this, which is uncharacteristic expect that there's going to be a response like this this time of year and after a game like that now granted once again you know what cures all of that you know what the wonder pill is right wolf yes it's called winning there it is there it is you go do that you get us off your back (laughs) no doubt about it you know one of the things i think about this um what i remember one of the pregame talks that the and Coach Noel was never one for big rah-rah stuff. Coach Noel always said, if it takes me to uh, get you guys motivated, you won't be here long. All right? I mean, that's what it's about. It's up to each and every man to bring his own mental, physical, spiritual game together before each and every game. 
and it's not up to the coaches to rah rah their way. You know, he says you've got to play the game with a passion of your own choice, and so you bring that to the to the game. But one of the things he said in a, in, in a very about a probably a less than a minute and a half, maybe a minute fifteen pregame speech. He, he pointed out a couple of things, and then he just said, you know, let's go out and have fun because winning is fun. And that's really what it's about. Winning is fun. Winning is what it's all about. When you're at the professional level, such as these guys are, this is all about winning. This isn't about, uh, you know, coming close, horseshoes, hand grenades, and all that sort of thing. This is about winning. But the some of the solutions, you know, you, you start to hear some of the players, and some of the players are talking about solutions that, to me, they're just outside the box. And I can understand you got young guys such as Chase Claypool says, hey, let's play yeah. some music, you know. Let's, let's uh, you know, hey – Winning is fun, all right? Not practicing. Practicing is is all about getting the job done in preparation for what you're going to do that weekend to prepare to win. You know, practicing, I I, I don't know why guys think it's got to be fun. You can make it fun. In in the sense of you know enjoyment, I used I used to love it. You know, in the sense not every day, of course, nobody does every, each and every day. I was about to say there there would be something wrong with you. Will. Yeah, exactly. Have, There's something wrong sure. with you. But you yeah. know, you get the chance to hone your craft, and when you look at it from that aspect and become a better player, that's what it's all about, Max. It's not about uh, going out and, and making sure that you got to have fun. You got to make sure that you are sharpening the sword. Oh, absolutely. I mean, practice, practice is it, it's it's that tool shed, right? You know, you talk about dad's going out to the tool shed, he's going to whittle in the tool shed like that. that that's what it is. That's what practice is. That's your moment to get away from the public eye and work on your craft. The things that you know will make you better. And that's the whole point of it, whether it's mental reps, physical reps, whether it's technique, whether it's just cohesion and chemistry and communication, right? All of those things get to happen on the practice field, and you choose how you want to do it. The fun thing that I used to enjoy about practice, and everybody knows I was not a huge fan of practice. <laughs> Even Coach Tom, you can ask Coach Thomas to this day, hey, how does Max feel about practice? Well, he likes it on Fridays, exactly. <laughs> um, but what I enjoyed most was coming up with different ways to communicate with my teammates. That was the fun part. You know, it was almost like having the secret decoder ring, right? You know, you right. got a Cracker Jack box. You know, you're figuring out different ways. How can I communicate to throw off what the defense is trying to key on? They know what a deuce block is. They know what a double is. They know what a back. They know what a slip. You know, they know what an ABC block is. It's, it's hard not to. Do you know but a Henway? I don't know what a Henway is. You know what a Henway is? I have no clue. About two pounds. I'm so mad at you right now for that one because you told me that last week. <laughs> I thought I did. I, already, I can't believe I you, you just blanked on that. out of my head on that one. God dog it. I got, I got take it again. Uh, oh, that's who, as old it, as the, yeah, yeah. the day is long, buddy. Uh, I, I know. I know. I know. Because I'm sitting there thinking about secret words and stuff, and then right. boom, you throw that one in there. I had to. I mean, that's, that's yeah, how yeah. you get rookies. That was always yeah. one of the highlights of training camp. <laughs> 
All right. So continue oh, on, my friend. I know. Now yeah. Now you're yeah, not yeah. going to live it down. Now I got one up on you, Starks. You do. You do. <laughs> you, got, you got me, Wolf. You got me. Um, now I have to, like, pass it on to your brother. I'm going to hit him with it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, give him, uh, give him the Henway yeah. call. See what he says. Yeah, exactly. It's like tag. It's like tag. Oh, right? it's wonderful. Ah, you're it now. I'm it right now. Um, but I think that's one of the that's one of the cool things. And once you get to that point, that's when you can find those those little fun moments. You know, we you know you have those moments where you're sitting there. You know, the teammate is leaning hard on their helmet, taking a knee. Yes. And you just come by and just kick the helmet from underneath them, like <laughs> like with a foot wedge. Yeah. Like those are the little things that you know they're goofy, but I think I think with that like finding that that common camaraderie because you're all embracing the suck. Yes. In this moment, right. Nobody wants to be out here. Nobody wants to hit each other yeah. all day, right? And especially at this point in the year. Like, dude, I got I got six more games left of this. I don't want to go Wednesday and Thursday and bang all day, right? I want I want to be able to do this efficiently. I want to be able to do it in a smart way. And so how do we get the most out of this, you know, process of practice but also save our bodies at the same time? Because – you know, the one thing that, you know, Mike Tomlin learned his first year when he came with us, he just wore us down, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we had a very veteran group, a group that had been together for a while, but he was a young coach stepping into this, not knowing how this team operated, not knowing how we worked. And so he ran us, he ran us hard the entire year to where we got to that Jacksonville playoff game year one, everybody was dead. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we, we go one speed. And when, and, when, and when you take the chain off the dog, that dog is going to run. And so, you know, he came back. I'll never forget this. A year two, he's like, listen, I learned that you guys are hunting dogs. Like, when we go out to the field and we take the chains off, that's what y'all do. Y'all hunt. <laughs> so he's like, I got to keep the chains on you guys during the week because I need to save you guys for when it's, when it's time, when it, when it matters. And so he had to learn that about, about us. But we had to prove that to him. So right now, as this team, you have to go out and prove what you're capable of doing, what you're not going to do, and let's work from there. Because right now, he's trying to play because he's been there so long. How do you measure it? You're balancing it. And for this squad, I get it. They're thin. But like we saw in the fourth quarter, he's like, well, I, I got to get them in there to get them tough because this is the only way we're gonna, it, what they're going to learn is to go through this and to let this fully sink in. And, you know, you only took out Najee because Najee's probably a little dinged up. But everybody else, you got you got to embrace this. This is how bad as it feels. And you hope that that's the turning point to say, dang, I don't want to feel this way in the fourth quarter, the end of a game where I'm feeling I should be out the game. Well, why do you deserve to be out the game? You know, because you play four quarters. Yeah. yeah, You you only at at one point, you only had three points on the board. Luckily, you got the 10. you, You know, you got to 10. You got to double digits. But. Defense, you hung up forty-one. You allowed them to hang forty-one on you, and they probably could have went more. Mm-hmm. They, if, if they wanted to put the gas on the pedal, this could have been a fifty-point game. Oh yeah, honestly, being, no being just completely honest about it, and they, they they took off the pedal. So when you know that mentally, that should piss you off. That should make you angry. That they were like, you know what? We're, We've scored 40. That's enough points to put you guys away and make you feel embarrassed because we could have hung more on you. The old team that I played for, I remember we played Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It was right after Christmas. Oh, 56, zero. We didn't care. No, we want you to know. And that's kind of the essence of what Ryan Clark said, right? He said, you let your physicality do the talking. 
<clears throat> none of the other stuff. Right. You go out there. It's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be physical. Physicality makes it fun. They both start with fu. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we could argue the semantics on how you get to the Don't F, go to the ceramics, Max. Let's just hang yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, just pH versus an F. Right, it still absolutely. Makes it fun. So, but, but physicality makes it fun. Now, let me ask you something, because here's one of the things that's always been kind of a little bit of, be- of a beef with me. I always felt that the coaches, not the NFL Players Association, but the coaches should set the amount of pad work that you guys do. You know, that's what I think – Well, that's the way it was done back in the 80s and 90s. <clears throat> and certainly everybody was in pads. But Bill Walsh started the taking the pads off after about 20 minutes into practice and just then, you know, less lightening up on the body and so forth. Um, it's nice to see that your L.A. Cup made it all the way home, by the way. Nice to see that. Yes, You're I see. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Once again, hey, I, I'm being earth conscious because you've seen this cup consistently. I have. I'm not using up other plastic, Absolutely. plastic items. You're you know, being, you're being, being earth very earth conscious. conscious. Okay, good for you. So, <laughs> so I've always felt that, you know, you need a certain amount of pad work to keep the, the, the sword sharp. That's just, to me, that's what I grew up on. And I understand football's evolving. They're trying to add safety measures. But here's the one thing that the aspect that I think really is overlooked so often is, is this. When I talk about sword or steel sharpening steel, all right, ironing, sharpening iron, however you want to metaphor it out, the fact is you take a, a thinking like, um, think about Tunch Ilkin and Keith Willis. Keith Willis uh, came in a couple years after Tunch and I came. Keith was an undrafted uh, free agent. Um, Tunch was uh, a six-round draft pick, and by the way, I was a fifth. I always held that over him, by the way. So just to let him know, because <laughs> 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 uh, not that we were competitive or anything, but you know, no, so not at all. Those two guys, though, three days a week, full pads for about a decade. They worked against each other, and they asked no quarter and gave no quarter in practice. I mean, I you, I just watched them, and you you know just saw it happen. They worked hard against each other. At the end of his career, Tunch was Hall of Honor, two-time Pro Bowler. Keith Willis was, at that point, the all-time sack leader for the Steelers. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about irons, iron and sharpening iron, that sort of thing. Because teammates keep each other sharp, prepared, and ready to go. And one of the things that I think is lacking sometimes, or a lot of times, is the fact that the players today don't get enough of a pad work uh, to keep that, that sharpness, that edge. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, and that's a tough thing, right? You said because it's collectively bargained in this process, right? You know, that was one of the things was how do we save guys to create longer careers, right? Because the average is three point four years, and you need four years to vest. So it was it was a measure to try and get guys more to the pension earning uh, category, right? But at the same time, right? There's given, there's taken this process. And that, that's something that, that fell in that because there were certain things the NFL was not going to budge on that the NFLPA asked for. And when they brought this up, it was something the NFL was like, okay, we like this idea. Problem is, right, You there's some teams that are young, and those inexperienced teams need more of that work. The veteran teams are fine. The ones that stay with a lot of veterans, if you notice, they don't have these issues. You know, you look at the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know, right. they've, they've, they've got a bunch of – of veteran guys on their squad and they're not having this type of issue 
Um, you look at the reason why Andrew Whitworth for the L.A. Rams is still there at left tackle. You know, so, so it saves some of the vets. There's no that, question. I got you. But wait, but when you have a younger team, it hurts you drastically. Look how long before Sean McVay came, and it was still the Jeff Fisher. T- Jeff Fisher's Ram squads were the youngest in the league three years in a row. <laughs> they were also one of the worst teams, right? Because they were drafting high and often. So yes. that's that that so that's the that that's the that's the give and the take in it. And right now we're at that point where we have a younger squad. We have a newer squad. So from years past it didn't affect us because we had a whole bunch of vets, right? You know, but the problem is all those vets are gone. Like in one fell swoop, the entire offense left. You know, the offensive line left uh and was gone for retirement, free agency, or you know, being cut. And now we're at that limbo stage. That, uh, it's like the ugly phase of hair, right? But, you know, when the hair's like at that, it, it's a, it's long, but it's not really long. It's like that ugly short where you can't quite comb it down. I don't know because I got no hair. Up. You had hair back in the day. <laughs> I did back, back, back in the day, yes. Exactly. So back in the day when you were trying to grow the hair out, you know, when you wanted that good quaff, right? You wanted to be able to hit the comb. <laughs> the bouffant. The bouffant yeah, hairdo. That's right. The bouffant. You want to slick it back. But remember that ugly phase where you try to slick it back and then the hair would still stick up after you did it? That that That's where they're at right now. And it's like you want more opportunities. So you would like to see there be an exception in there where you can say, hey, we need an uh, an option where we can have four more padded practices. Some, you know, just arbit- I'm, putting, I'm putting an arbitrary number out right. there. But put something out there to where if we need to touch this because we have a certain youth gap, and our players that need that extra work. You know, you just need to feel the pop on the pads, you know, with a helmet next to it and hear that echo up into your ear to know that, hey, this is the this is the sweet sound you want to hear. This is the crunch sound you want to hear when you're in third and short, right? When you're in fourth and goal and when you're you're on the line and you need that extra drive. I need to be able to do this because you face it, you can simulate all you want in a weight room. You can put you can put weight sleds on your back and strap them in and harnesses and all these right. other things. But it's not the same as hitting a human being who does not want to move. That is it. That immovable object means the unstoppable force, right? You know, right. that's that that's what you need to create, and that's what football does. So I, I agree. There was some things that were lost in this process, but for the team, you've got to figure out some creative way of doing it, right? Because I think, like you said, like Bill Walsh, hey, 20 minutes into practice, taking the pads off. But at least we have the pads available. They're there. They are present. We we can go get 20 minutes worth of work in every day and then peel back as opposed to saying, okay, once you put the pads on, that's your one, regardless of how long you keep it or, or lose it, that's how long it is because those spider shells don't work. You know, it, it's great to to prevent some, some soft, soft collision injuries, incidental right. contact injuries. But shoulder pads are your best protection. Even though guys are trying to get as thin as possible in those shoulder pads, they're still they're <laughs> right. still in there. You know, I think that's that's where we're at, and it's it's a tough situation. But you know, I get Chase wants to have some creative ways. Hey, let's play music. They play music in the stadium all day. I get it. You know, there's music in between every play. You know, when you listen to the stadium. But for the for the intents and purposes of this squad, you got to go get it on your own. Because here's the thing. Coach might not have pads, but guess what? What's preventing you from walking out after practice, throwing some pads on, and doing some one-on-one drills after practice? That's on you. Bingo. 
Very good, my friend. That's a good rant, opening rant. We're going to come right yeah, back because is. we got the great Bob Labriola joining us here in the locker room, and we'll hit him with a little bit. Of, does he? What kind of music would Labs want if he was, I don't know, maybe a wide receiver, maybe he's playing safety or something like that? What kind of warm-up music would you have? We'll be back with more after this. Oh. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Max, you know what? It's always fun because this is the time of week when we get ourselves Bob Labriola, Steelers historian, Steelers Digest editor and game day contributor. And I always enjoy what he's got to say. And there's always, sometimes there's just a little bit of a tinge of sarcasm that comes across in some of his, his writings oh, and some of his thoughts. No. <laughs> hey, Labs, are the fans getting Bob. a little restless? <laughs> <laughs> getting. getting. <laughs> That's not sarcasm either, Wolf. Yeah. Just wanted to let you know that. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, just kind of taking a look at Asked and Answered which I always enjoy, one of the best reads going, man. Uh, and then you get people where that are threatening to put some uh, pressure on the ownership. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> How's that going to work for you? <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. I mean, um, but, hey, fans are fans. Right. The vast majority of them, you know, aren't uh, fools and – you know, um, you know what the nuns always said. You know, that's the why you can't have nice things. You have a couple of people who spoil it for everybody. So, <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, right. hey, you know what? You know what they say. Well, for speech running a jackhammer for a living. Amen to that. That's, I remember Russ Grimm saying that. No, oh, yeah. you're not working hard. Those guys out there in the south side that were when they were building the facility over there, he goes, those guys running a jackhammer, they're working hard. Exactly. All right, so Labs, we've got the, now some suggestions going on about, I don't know, I, I, and here's the thing about it. You know, Joe Schobert after game was asked, uh, you know, about what can you do to, to make, get things going here? And his reply, one of them was, you know, to take practice seriously, um, which is, that's an offhand remark after a tough game. And you, you know, you just kind of lay that out there. Um, I've watched up teen practices have been at, you know, tons of practices myself as a player Um there's, it's not an issue of the practice, but when you start looking for ways to make it more fun, now I got an issue with it because here's the thing: is as Coach Noll always said, winning is fun. That's what's fun. Practice is about honing the craft, and yet it's not about guys feeling looser, more fun, and stuff like that. It's about getting work done. Is is the way I see it? Yeah, I mean, I I can't argue with you. Uh, it's um, you know, it's. It's, it's it's part of the job that I would imagine. You know, I've never, uh, I was never uh, athletic enough or anything to play football for real. You know, so I don't know. But when I when I talk to people about it who have played, you know, practice playing the games is the fun part. Practice foot, practicing football is not fun. Um, so, uh, you know. <laughs> I got nothing for you on that. I mean, I, I, 
you know, it, it just it, it boggles my mind that, um, you know, that that players or whatever would think that you know let's make practice fun, um, you know, fulfilling, meaningful. I mean, those are the kind of words that I could see being associated, you know, with practice. Uh, fun is not something that, you know, um, I, I would associate with it. And I think that in, in whatever job uh, you have, you know, football player, uh, jackhammer runner, you know, whatever, uh, you know, work is not fun. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I love my job, but if I had enough money to be independently wealthy and not have to work, I wouldn't work. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> and that's just the way it is. And the other thing is, the union, um, the Players Association, has rules about what practice is allowed to be, yeah. what it's not allowed to be. And so, you know, it's there's, there's not a lot of give, uh, and certainly at this point of an NFL season, in terms of what practice can be, what it should be, you know, uh, Wolf, in your time, you can't go back to basics anymore. No, you can't. You can't do that. No. And so... Um, you know, I, like I said, I don't – it is what it is. And I know that's a cliche, and it's not a satisfying answer for anyone, you know, who lives and dies with this. But, you know, I got nothing else. This is um, – I don't think that this particular uh, roster at this point is good enough uh, in a lot of areas to sustain winning. I just don't. Mm. And, you know, as Mike Tomlin said, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, you know, when you get beat on both lines of scrimmage in a game, you're going to lose. Right. You are. You right. just are. And um, I don't know that there's any quick fixes for that. Um, like I, I, I hate to come on your show here and kind of just throw up my hands and say, I don't have any answers, but I don't know that there are any. Well, and and Bob, I I think when you take this type of loss, this very uncharacteristic type of loss, you know, it, you're going to have those moments, right? You're going to have these moments where it's like, I, I don't have it. There is no magic words that are going to make you feel better. You know, sometimes the best answer is the simplest answer, you know, and it just comes down to do you care enough? Because there have been times where – the, not necessarily the best-looking roster or the best team has come out and won a game. Like, you have to go out there and earn that victory. That's why the games are played on Sundays. And, you know, I, I think one of my things is is that that kind of peeved me off. Um, and it also, you know, it also, it also bothered Wolf um, as well, was there was there, there seemed to be a lack of effort or excitement at times in that game where guys kind of got inside of themselves and got their feelings. I mean, that's where that's where you're like, okay, well what is it? Is is, is it the scheme? Is it is it guys, you know, not caring enough in the moment, not getting up because there's only so much a coach can do, right? The coach is not going out there, he's not making plays. He's not making a tackle, he's not breaking a tackle, he's not scoring touchdowns and he's not stopping touchdowns. You know, that comes down to the players. And if you're in the NFL, Guess what? You're the top one percent. You know, you're the top one percent of athletes. So it doesn't matter. You know, there's no cupcake games. There, there's no. Oh my gosh, there's going to be Alabama versus I don't know Abilene Christian. But I'm sure somebody listening is probably gonna be mad that I use their name. <laughs> um, you know, but 
but I think, but but that's the thing you have to understand is that everybody is a pro at this level. So the 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 gaps between them is not the margin of error is not that great a difference. But if you can get eleven guys on each side of the ball playing together, that could stop a lot of this because there were other talented teams that we played this year that we've beaten, more talented, and it seems like certain games guys just kind of quit on us. I mean that you know, and 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 that that's a very harsh word. I know when you use in sports metaphors, but you know, what did you see just from the sideline enthusiasm or from the players' kind of demeanor? Um, you know, either walking into the building or whether you know, in like like was there kind of a somber tone? Because I know you know after a loss, I was pissed off. I didn't want to talk to anybody. It was like get on the field, do my work. And if it's not to my liking, I'm going to let my teammates know that I didn't like what they did on my side of the ball. And, you know, it was one of those things where I never had to ask James Harrison to go hard. I never had to ask a guy, you know, hey, can can you take it easier on me this, you know, this practice or this play? You know, I'm feeling a little sore. Like you never got that in years past. And I'm just wondering, is that something that guys are trying to seek comfort in these moments? Uh, and have you noticed that? I, I Seriously, um, you know, I'm going to defer to you guys because I don't have uh, the firsthand experience or the understanding, you know, to see a lot of the things that you guys see uh, that you have learned through the benefit of your personal experiences and to be able to notice, you know, sideline demeanor and, you know, all of that kind of thing. I mean, I don't want to, um, you know, there, there may be some things that I think, but my opinion in these areas I believe is so ill-informed that I don't know that I, I should be, you know, running my mouth. I mean, there's enough of that stuff on the blabathons that are on TV. I mean, and they're boy, they're really coming out of the woodwork now. All of a sudden, um, and everybody's got the answer, and everybody wants to call on their experience, you know, as a former player with the Steelers or whatever that they know and they can tell, and blah 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 blah. Um, you know, all, to me, a lot of that is is either attention-seeking um, or trying to capitalize on the popularity of the Pittsburgh Steelers because when you make a big, dramatic statement about the Steelers, it gets picked up. Yeah. It does. So, um, you know, and I, I just, I don't know, Max. I mean, again, and I, I feel a little bit bad about coming on your show and uh, everything you've been saying to me, I, I, I don't have an answer. I, I don't know, but I really don't. And I don't feel that it's my place to try, you know, someone who's never, you know, strapped on a helmet. I'm not going to try and put myself into these guys' uh, heads or bodies or whatever uh, and, and try and explain, you know, or cast, uh, chastise them or, or whatever. Because, I mean, I, I really don't know um, what they're about or what it takes to be where they are or what else is going on in their lives, or any of that kind of stuff. So if, if listeners or fans or anything want to call me a homer or duck in the question or whatever, that's fine. You know, because at least I, I, I just try and be, you know, as honest as I can, starting with myself. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I, I just know that a lot of times um, when things are going bad, um you know, let me say this. Uh, Touch, if he were here with us, he is a big uh, uh, 
lover of westerns. Okay, <laughs> and no, and it, seriously, a yes. lot of times you would see westerns where you know, they're taking the guy up to the gallows to hang him, the outlaw, or whatever. And the guy before they put the noose around his neck, he starts to laugh. Now, I don't believe you know, even though it's just a movie and it's not real, but you know that's a phenomenon that I've read about, and people who are you know going through something like that, they'll be hung or, you know, whatever. A lot of times um, their relief is um, totally inappropriate for the situation. And so is that happening on the sideline? I have no idea. But I'm, I'm neither going to uh, discount it or, uh, you know, offer it as a reason slash excuse. I mean, all of those guys – Sitting on that sideline when it was forty-one to three or whatever, uh, late in that game, uh, you know they know what they think or care about or their level of interest or, or whatever, and it's up to people who are in charge of evaluating that and making decisions based on those evaluations to determine whether they are sincere, whether they're all in, whether they're goof-offs or whatever. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try. And, and get into any of that because I just don't think it's fair for someone with my direct knowledge and experience to go and possibly, um, you know, besmirch someone's name or reputation. You know, I think that's well said, brother, but at, at, at the least you can just line up with Max and I because we're part of that group that doesn't know. <laughs> I mean, we don't yeah. know. Well, exactly. That's that we're all reaching. You yeah. guys lived it, though. Right. You know, you've been on that sideline. You know, you were on that sideline <laughs> a couple of times, 51 nothing, 41 to 10, 89, you know. Yeah. Uh, back some of those games in, in 2006 uh, were ugly, you know. So yeah. um, you guys at least lived through it and watched or at least saw it from the inside. And so, you know, your opinions on these kind of things to me are much more uh, learned and um, – and justified in terms of your firsthand experience. Well, so, I mean, if you guys say they're too lack of days going on the sideline, or if you come out of a practice and say they're not working hard enough, or you know whatever, they're not serious enough, you know, I have a tendency to listen to that. But what do I know? I mean, I, you know, I watch a, a practice, and I would always tell, <clears throat> sometimes say to coaches who would get nervous about you know <laughs> outsiders media, quote-unquote, watching practice. And my thing was always, you guys could hand me the script to practice with the play calls on it, and I still wouldn't know what I was watching. So you, know, you don't have to worry about what <laughs> you think I'm seeing or noticing. Um, no, I got gotcha. you. just my reality. But let me let me ask you this, and I, because you, you have been around and seen a lot of football, both good and bad, because I remember when you started off, what, was it 88? Uh you know, that was a very Thanksgiving. Yeah. That was... Of Thanksgiving was, just to put numbers to it. Yes. Of Thanksgiving. Yeah. And of Thanksgiving and uh win number one came on opening day. So it was one and ten after opening day <laughs> to Thanksgiving. Okay. There you go. So you've seen the good and the bad. Yeah, speaking of Westerns Clint Eastwood, the good, the bad and the ugly. All right. Yeah. So... Um, you look at this, and one of the things I believe where we're really at right now is we're stuck into that it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. And right now we're having trouble with getting 
the Jimmys and Joes being able to execute those X's and O's and to do that at a, a standard level standard. And I think this is the quandary that the Steelers face uh, right now. I mean, think about it. T.J. Watt is is out on with COVID again. I mean, not again, but I mean, out with COVID. He's out again, but he's got COVID this time. And now when he goes out, we're, we're talking about Derek uh, Tuska and we're talking about Taco Charlton. And again, it's that the Jimmys and Joes, can they execute? Because in prior experience, we you know, you, there, no matter what you say about the standard, it's going to drop when you go from a defensive player of the year candidate to somebody that wasn't with the team when they broke camp. You know, I mean, it's just that's just a fact of the matter. And so that's the unfortunate part of it. But they've still got to be able to come out and compete. And so for me, in that 88 team, the one thing about that 88 team that was so bad, we were at 5-11 and 11, uh, at the end of the year. But but Chuck was able to cobble together enough guys that believed in, in that game, that season would have been a season that went over the edge were it not for the strong leadership of Chuck. And the same thing's going to happen with Mike. Mike's got to be able to make sure that these guys are all pulling together and doing everything they can to keep this from turning into what could be a real bad season here. Yeah, and, you know, then there's the flip side, too. You know, what Chuck Noll used to say, what he said after the 77 season, which was one where, you know, they won – the Steelers won back to back 74, 75, 76 was a really good team, but Franco and Rocky get injured in the first playoff game, uh, and so uh, they don't get to go to the Super Bowl. The 77 was a season where, you know, I think a lot of players on that team were either uh, disgruntled or unhappy with their playing time or wanted more money or, or whatever. And, you know, it, it, it gets to a point where, you know, the even a great Hall of Fame coach like Chuck Noll can only do what he can do, but then you respond to it uh, with the way Noll described it after the 77 season by saying, I'm going to get out the big broom. And that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. You get out the big broom and you clean it out. Yeah. And, and then they came back and won two more Super Bowls back-to-back. So, you know, if, if Mike Tomlin is in, unable to, I won't say incapable because there's a big difference there. If he is unable to find, you know, what this team needs within that locker room, then um, get rid of him. <laughs> Bring in new pieces. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're limited somewhat uh, by the salary cap and the ramifications of, you know, dead money and all that kind of stuff. But you can't have, um, you can't have malcontents or. Guys who aren't don't have their oar in the water, you know, when everybody else is rowing the boat. And so um, these next few games, six games, yeah, six games, 5-5-1-11, doing my gazinkles here real quick, uh, 17 games, six games left, um, you find out who's, you know, willing to fight and those who aren't, um, you know, they're not here next year because I, I agree with you on the roster. I just, I don't think... You know, okay, let's pretend T.J. Watt doesn't play. Now you against the Ravens. So now you're going to go with Derek Tuska, uh, Delonte Scott, um, and try and contain Lamar Jackson. How do you think that's going to work? Yeah. I mean, not that these guys aren't trying, but they're just, you know, 
Um, Are they capable of getting to the standard? That's the problem. You know what I mean? And that is, it's like you said, if, if it can't be, then it's like Chuck has said, get out, get out the big broom next year or whatever. The, you've made your choice. I mean, this is what it is at the beginning of the season. The offseason, you do all you, you need to do to bring in the players you want to bring in. And then you have those once-in-a-while trades that Kevin Colbert is so good at, at nailing. But, you know, as it is, it, you are where you are, and there's nothing you can do other than to move forward and keep trying to upgrade the level of the guys that are in there and playing. And that's the only – it's up to the guys now. I mean, this is really about the guys doing it. So we got to go, buddy. But I thank you for your insight. I thank you indeed because you always bring something interesting. And, and to harken back to the days of yore when Chuck Noel <laughs> was talking about the big broom, that's interesting stuff. I appreciate you, brother. Okay, fellas, have a good day. Have a great one. Thank you, buddy. That's Bob Labriola, Steelers Digest editor, uh, game day contributor, and Steelers historian. And we'll be back after this. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back to the locker room. You know what I'm excited about tonight? Can you guess, Max? Oak Island. The the curse of Oak Island is on tonight. Will the treasure be found? After how many centuries? (laughs) How many decades? The Oak Island treasure. Will it? Will it? Will it finally? (laughs) I, I don't know if it will. I don't know. But I enjoy it. You know, it's a treasure hunt. Like, who doesn't like a treasure hunt? Did you, didn't you, and when you were a kid, I know you had to. Didn't you ever go on a treasure hunt? You know, you're digging up the backyard and the old man is throwing things at you. Knock it off. What are you doing? You're, you're, gotta, you're digging up the whole back. You're on a treasure hunt. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, that, but that was also the adventures, uh, pre, pre video games that we had as kids. <laughs> yeah. Right. We didn't yeah. have all the, the video yeah. game stuff. Yeah. It, it was, it was get outside, don't come back in until it's dark or supper time. Like that, right. that was it. Take off your school clothes, put on <laughs> yeah. your play clothes, and stay outside. Yeah. There's a basketball hoop, there's a stick, there's something. You can find something to do. I mean, and so, yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely made up our own treasure maps and would go out in the woods and, pretend that we found something or we bury something to then come back a couple days later right and actually find it again <laughs> i mean yeah yeah no, no that, that's that's the natural kid ingenuity i feel like kids kids only get that if they, if, if they have to stay at their grandparents house over summer you know yes <laughs> just because the grandparents don't have all that technology available uh, to them. <laughs> oh but we used to have so much fun i mean you know well, I, oh. you know, with with the neighborhood kids, and you you just you would find adventures like that. I think kids today miss out yeah. on having the adventures, but something like this, the you know, the curse of Oak Island, quote unquote, because you know, six people have have actually died searching for that treasure. All right, so. the supposed treasure that was supposedly was buried, supposedly you know, several hundred years ago, um, and that the treasure won't be found until number seven go, gets kiboshed. 
Yeah, yeah, which is which always makes me want like, come on. I mean, do, do the, how do you know that there has to be seven people that? Have I don't know. Have that's what I couldn't figure. I no, haven't heard yeah, yet. That, that's the one thing. I'm like, I'm like, they cursed it. They said this treasure will not be found until seven souls have laid to rest. Like, yes. No, no. You you can't curse it like that back at old time. Well, then again, maybe you can. <laughs> but you know, if you believe in magic, which is now science. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, that's always one of the things that always kills me about those. It's like, okay, who said it had to be this number of dead people before you can actually <laughs> find something good? And, and, and how bad do you have to be if you end up being, you know, if you're like, man, man, we got two more to go. You're looking around at the rest of your crew like. <laughs> who's who's got to go? Got to go, guys, man. <laughs> You know, Timmy, Timmy, I saw, I saw you lazy on the, on the, on that excavator yesterday. I'm just saying. Just saying. Just watch saying. out. You're exactly. standing over yeah. loose gravel, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, loose gravel. They're, they're, I, listen, I'm not going to tell you if you're if you're back if you're backing up to the cliff because I need you. I need to get to seven. So <laughs> you you got to go, you, and, and, and it's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. Walking around in but you see everybody walking around in bubble wrap the rest of the season. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Think about it though. If there really was Templar treasure moved and buried in Oak Island, I mean, think about how that would rewrite a lot of history. You yeah. know, because you got people coming across from Europe and you know, you go Nova Scotia and down there and and you know, some of this some of the stuff that they found um the wood buried in in the tunnels or whatever a uh, hundred some feet down are are like in eleventh and twelfth century stuff. I mean, this is it's old out there. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing is that we truly don't know how far people traveled. You know, because right, listen, because there there were a lot of a lot of maritime merchants and and you know and there's a lot of time spent on boats because boats were the airplanes of the eleventh and twelfth century, right? You know, that was the only way you got across large distances. Um, you know, uh, between between continents was you had to use a boat. That was the only way you were getting there. And so you imagine it's not exact. We don't we don't have we don't have Google Maps here to point us <laughs> up. Like, hey, are we really going north? Or are we going north? You know, uh, are are we going northwest? You know, are we going southeast? You know, you you just you're, you're trusting the stars to navigate you, and you end up in places. You're like, hey, this is uninhabitable. Well, let's just keep going. You know, this is what right, explorers right. did. I don't know this land, so it's new to me, even though it might be somewhere else. So, yeah, it's very likely that, you know, Templars could have got lost and, and they found a different area. Well, we're going to have to tune in and find out. And got to keep yes, pace with it, as, as I have been for the last number of years. I mean, like, okay, got to yeah. keep checking. And they'll find something yeah. just a little bit, just enough to keep you coming back. Well, and those are your stories, like, you know, like, you know, your grandparents used to watch, you know, the soap operas. That's your soap opera. Wolf just, <laughs> it's not General Hospital. It's, Coast, it's Curse of Oak Island. There you go. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap on the first hour of In the Locker Room. We'll be back with more after this. And by the way, stay tuned, because after the locker room, uh, we'll go to the Mike press Tomlin conference. press conference. Well, thank you, Max. I appreciate that. There, there we go. Listen, helping out as a good as a as a good wingman. And back with more. <laughs> 